0: Well, good morning, New Hope. Pastor John with you. So good to be with you on this, the the third in our series, Mind and Soul, Uh, We Are Not Consumed. And I'm in Lamentations 3 this week. This series, I think, has been a great mixture of faith and and helpful contributions from from science, from the practice of psychology in terms of our our mental health. And I would argue that every good piece of science— And research can be found to stand in agreement with the word of God. If anything doesn't stand in agreement with the word of God, it will fall by the wayside after time. This is the same for for, uh, good practice of business practices. Everything that lines up in good business can be found in the word of God. Just read through Proverbs, through wisdom literature, and you'll see all kinds of best business practices in the word of God. Just in the past few years, there's been amazing findings in the, in the recent study of uh, epigenetics, which is the study of behaviors, choices, environment, which can alter our gene expression. Uh, and recent scientific research in this area has just shown uh, that epigenetics epigenic- has found to validate what the Bible has been saying all along. In Exodus 20... We have the Ten Commandments, and right after God forbids us to to make an idol, to bow down to an idol, uh, he says this, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. What we know now is that there is a generational transmission of certain gene markers passed from one generation to another. Some genes can be turned on and off. Stressors will turn off and turn on genes. Uh, if you have genes with a tendency towards violence and you're, you're raised in a poor environment, it can lead to a proclivity to violence. But if you have those same genes and you're raised in a loving environment, caring environment, those genes can be turned off. Um, Thus, the way we raise our kids in our families and in our church community has huge consequences for changing our families, changing the DNA of, of close loved ones. Dr. Karen Purvis stated that the fourth generation is the last trace of when we see genetic material passed from one generation to another. Science has just confirmed what the Word of God has said all along, that the sin of the parents is visited to the third or fourth generation. Wow. And so what we know and what we do can affect generations to come. So let's pay the price for self-exploration. Church, here's our big idea for today. Through struggle, we can come to a better sense of self Community and the greatness of our God. So, first of all, through struggle, we can come to a better sense of self. In the third chapter of Lamentations, we have Jeremiah's third poem in the book. This is a kind of a personal lament, more of a stream of consciousness. It's like Jeremiah is writing in his own personal, private journal. The great author C.S. Lewis after his, uh, his wife died, he found that writing in his journal was his only consolation, his, his only touch with sanity. This private world of personal lament began with desolation, but slowly led to a rediscovery of, of faith, and it offered uh, what would later become to the, the reading public in his book, A Grief Observed. Jeremiah shows us that the grieving process involves the whole person physically, mentally, psychologically, and spiritually. He states in Lamentations 3-4, he has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He goes on to struggle with the spiritual dimensions of grief. And typical of the grieving process, there's this feeling that there's no future, that that nothing will get better, or that God simply can't be reached. I think one of the most refreshing things we see in Lamentations and throughout Scripture is that there's not a, a glossing over of, uh, of the, the hard things, of the pain. There's no spiritualizing or minimizing the hurt that one experiences. I, I You know, it's not very Minnesotan, right? It's not a Scandinavian, Minnesota nice version of of the Bible. It's raw, it's real, it's pain, but it's helpful to let that out for our overall mental health. Pastor and commentator John Guest makes the comment that Jeremiah describes something of a catch-22 situation. He needs God to comfort him in his grief, but he can't seem to reach God because he is overwhelmed by his grief. He says in Lamentations 3.8, Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. Jeremiah is pouring out his feeling, his emotions, rather than stating an empirical truth. And the irony is that God uses this process for our overall mental health. He uses this process and invites us to pour out our hearts, our frustrations, our emotions to him. And even though uh, this grief may seem to temporarily block us from reaching or connecting with God, he uses it to help us in this, this important work of self-exploration, of struggling with our limits. And through this struggle, through this cathartic admission that we are helpless, we begin to seek the comfort from a God who is never out of control, no matter the situation. So God uses struggle to help us to come to a better sense of self. Secondly, through struggle, we come to a better sense of community. Adlerian psychology states that there are five basic tasks of life. Work, love, social interests, sense of self, and spiritual or exist- existential meaning to life. For our purposes, I want to focus in on a third category of social interest. But all of these are critical to positive mental health. Social interest is described as both the attitudes and behaviors of caring, concern, and compassionate feeling and interaction with others. And this is just one indication of emotional health. It's enhanced by contributing to others' welfare. And so here again, scientific research backs up what the Bible describes, the importance of living and thriving in community with others. We are made for one another. We do better when we show social interest and care and compassion, uh, reaching out to others. And when we are engaged in community and helping others, we benefit from the social interest of others. In verses 55 through 57, we have a beautiful prayer that Jeremiah prayed I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, Do not fear. In this uh, prayer of lament, Jeremiah is referencing something that actually happened to him before Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. I know the story well. It's because. My dad used to tell me the story when I was a kid, when he was putting me to bed at night, and I think this was like the number two story he would tell me. The number one story scared me. It was God calling Samuel as a boy in the temple, and he would say the name, Samuel, and I would stiffen up in bed. I was scared. But he told me this story too, and it's maybe a little lesser known story. You see. Jeremiah's enemies, some kings of the court, didn't like what he was prophesying, what God told him to say, that Jerusalem was going to fall to the Babylonians. So they convinced the king to throw Jeremiah in a pit, because they didn't like what he was saying. Well, Jeremiah was thrown in a dried-up cistern and was sinking down in the mud. But we have a no-name servant of the king, says, Ebed-Melech, which actually means servant of the king, was an Ethiopian eunuch serving the king. He was from Ethiopia in Africa. He was a black um, castrated male serving the king. And he went before the king and he said, what these men did was wrong. And Jeremiah will surely die because there's no bread in the city. Ebed-Melech had the boldness, the courage to speak the truth. And the king said, take 30 men and grab ropes and pull Jeremiah out before he dies. And so Abed-Melech took the men and he gathered ropes and he went to the wardrobe and took old clothes and rags and he went to the cistern and he threw the ropes and the rags down and he told Jeremiah to put these rags underneath his arms. And the men pulled Jeremiah up to safety. We find that when uh, the Babylonians capture the city of Jerusalem, that God says to Jeremiah to go to Abed and to tell him that his life will be spared, that he will not be handed to the men that he is afraid of, that he is a prize for war because he trusted in the Lord. Wow. This Great courage of what Eben Melech does. He does what only happens a few times in scripture where people have the courage, the audacity to go uninvited before the king's presence and to speak a request. And so Jeremiah is the benefit of community, of social interest, of a a no-name servant of the king who stood for him he is a benefit of that. And God uses that courage. And in the lamenting process and pouring out his heart to God, Jeremiah recalls the goodness of God shown to him by another in the community. God uses struggle to wrestle with and to come to a better sense of self. God uses a struggle to come to a better appreciation for friendship, for community, for people demonstrating God's love in some of the toughest times when we need it most. This past year has been tough on us all, and I've been struck by the gift and the power of community through it all. My mom uh, lost her youngest son after a 15-year battle with cancer. She survived COVID and a trip to the hospital, transitional care, uh, two amputated toes, and and now a transition uh, within her building to another apartment where she needs more care. But as I've sat with her and read multiple cards from friends, she's commented to me several occasions, I am blessed with great friends. My mom is at peace uh, with her son's passing, that he is no longer in pain, that he is in the presence of Jesus in paradise forever. She's grateful for all those who love her and appreciate her friendship and uphold her mental health and caring for her. I've caught this lesson in my family of my parents caring for others and and receiving the gift of others' concern and care for them. How important this is. Through struggle, we see a better sense of self. And through struggle, we get a better sense of what community is meant to be. And finally, through struggle, we can come to a better sense of the greatness of God. In Lamentations 3.21, we see a significant turning in the mind and soul of Jeremiah. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The act of calling to mind the good things of God brings him comfort. Although he held no struggle back, Jeremiah wasn't uh, meant to, to stick in anguish and, and, and bitterness and hurt forever. In a, in a figurative, figurative sense, he didn't allow himself to get stuck in the mud of his despair. And suddenly the mind that felt so stuck and hopeless through earlier chapters and lamentations is now to free to think on the love and compassion of God. Verse 22 and 23 is the, the theme verse of this series, and it reads, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The very suffering of which Jeremiah complained about and poured out in his in his heart over, had now brought a more expansive sense of the holiness of God. And the irony is that through some of the hardest struggles, we come to appreciate and see the goodness and holiness of God like never before. The word great love, because of the Lord's great love or steadfast love, is the same word that King David uses in Psalm 51 when he is pouring out a a spirit of lament and a spirit of confession to God because the prophet Nathan has exposed his sin of sleeping with Bathsheba and having her husband Uriah killed on the battlefield. And David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. The, these verses to the reference of steadfast, loyal, uh, merciful God hearken back to the very uh, name that God gave himself after the Israelites disobeyed him and made the golden calf the idol in on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34. And we read, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. When we go through struggle, when we face the darkness of our sin and the failure of human control and strength to control life around us, we are brought face to face with the magnificence of God's love and grace. And we emerge from the struggle with a refined perception of the gospel of God. In our worst moments, in our lowest valleys, in our struggle to make sense of it all, we come to a deeper understanding that because of God's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. I'll never forget the personal revelation of Lamentations 3.22 that God gave my wife, Aaron after we had come through one of the hardest struggles in our in our ministry life. In my last church, in my home church, we had come through a season of great spiritual battle, a great struggle. Um, and, and other prayer warriors just told us we were in the midst of, of a great spiritual battle. It's hard to describe, but... The gist of it was we felt a responsibility to serve God, to serve his church, to put his church first, and to trust him with our lives so as to not cause more division, to not bow into the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants to destroy his church and divide his people. It was after that time and after we had moved up to Cambridge that Aaron was... At, uh, we were living at her parents' house, and she was sitting in front of uh, the fireplace, staring into the fire, and she asked God, "God, what good uh, come out, what good came out of this?" And God simply replied, "The truth of Lamentations 3:22: "You were not consumed. Because of God's great love for us, we were not consumed. We have this promise that while we go through the fire, we will not be consumed. Though we go through the fire of great struggle, we will not be consumed by bitterness. Instead, we're given hope and a deeper sense of God's great love. This verse becomes the hinge point. That's why we titled this this sermon, A Door of Hope. Uh, We can either go down this path with all this pain and all this struggle and, and just become in bondage to bitterness, or we can come to this point and open this door of hope and say, we will trust in God's great love. We will trust in his mercies that are new every morning. And God has been faithful to our family time and time again. And we call this to mind that we are not consumed we have been loved with an everlasting love, a love that keeps us from being consumed by hate and darkness and division that the enemy wants to destroy our world with. And this great truth of lamentations, this great truth of the steadfast love of God, all point to the cross of Jesus Christ. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Just look at the world looking at Minnesota right now. The wo- I- Eyes of the world were on Minnesota. And the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But the cross speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. That we can be reconciled to him and reconciled to one another. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. We are given hope. We are given life. We are given salvation and victory in Jesus. On the cross, it is finished. God's done it. And in struggle... In pain and grief, we see the power of his love and grace like never before. When you look back on some of the biggest struggles you've come through, can you see when God showed his love, his goodness, his glory? Has he personally revealed his great love for you and shown you his power and compassion by not letting you be consumed? Take those areas of your life that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy and surrender them to a holy God. The king who tells us, be still, be still and know that I am God. We said that we wanted to invite people to a half-day prayer retreat at the end of this series. And so, hey, on May 22nd from 9 to noon, I want to invite you to consider coming and receiving healing, receiving tools to better connect with our Heavenly Father. My friend and long-term uh, colleague, Karma Gierning, is a spiritual director and a leader in ministry and does wonderful prayer retreats. She has experienced great healing of her soul and mind, her healing in her life by by times of solitude and con- times of connecting with God, and will give a great, great tools, great prayer tools to connect with God. So, please consider this as one possible option. Because of the gospel, we are not consumed. We are victorious. And so like Jeremiah, let's call to mind the goodness of God. Let's remember what he calls us to remember in the taking of communion. And so let me prepare you for this time. In 1 Corinthians 11 23, we read from Paul, For I received from the Lord what I passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, and you drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to invite you to, through the struggle, to remember to partake in Christ's body broken for you, Christ's blood shed for you. As the worship team comes or as you're closing the service, I just invite you to take time and to remember what he has done for you. His body broken for you, his, Christ, his blood shed for you and receive the grace of Jesus through the taking of communion. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you invite us to, through struggle to come to a better sense of self, a better sense of community, and a better sense of the greatness of our God. We just thank you that through the cross, uh, we are victorious. We are forgiven. And, and Lord, we, we long to have uh, more of you, more of your grace in our life. We surrender to you. We, we give you these areas. And Lord, we just ask that you meet with us right now as we remember what you've done for us. As we remember that we're not in control. As we remember your greatness and your goodness. Lord, bring healing. Bring more mental health. As we pour these things out to you, as we find you, we want to find this door of hope in you. And we'll give you all thanks and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.